there and welcome to Thrive Church Podcast here in Puyallup, Washington. We're so glad you found us and hope you enjoy listening to this sermon of the week. I want to talk about the power of promise. I've been thinking about this actually for several weeks now and I've been feeling like God wants to, to release promises over us. Uh, it probably started actually with the when we got the the gift of the painting here that, that uh, is hanging up in the in, in the kitchen area, uh, and that the title of that painting is "Bridge to Promise," and um, so I've just been like aware of this thing that the Holy Spirit has been kind of pulling on in me to kind of to uh, connect. Uh, both to promises that are have been spoken over my life and over our church, um, but really uh, it's been also about understanding promise and kind of digging into some scripture and understanding the power of promise. And so I'm going to do that a little bit this morning. It's it's amazing here. I'm going to I'll hit a few things, but um, this is this is going to be really fun, I think. But uh, if, you, if you have a Bible and you want to turn to it, we're, we're going to start off in Genesis chapter 12. Um, and I'll, I'll just read it here and then we'll get rolling. But it, Genesis 12, starting at verse 1, um, the Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. That's, that's just where I'm going to stop. But um, Abram left his country, his people, his family to go to a land that God promised he would show him. And, you know, he didn't, he didn't have a brochure that he got to look at, like... This is what the place that we're going to is going to look like. He didn't, you know, he didn't get to look at the beauty and the bounty of the new land. He didn't get to look at pictures online of the land and the new house that he was going to be taking his wife to. Yeah, I mean, he didn't get that. He didn't get to see what it was, what it was, what it was going to be like. Um, he um, he left all that he had known kind of an interesting part of the story that I, I, I don't know if I have the full understanding of, but um, if you go back to, to chapter 11, um, and it's just talking about a little bit about the genealogy of, of Abraham, Abraham, um, and, and it's talking about his, his father, and it actually talks about the fact that, that his, his father set out on a journey to go to the land of Canaan. He was going there with Abraham, with Abram and uh, with Sarai as well. They were going to the land of Canaan, but it says that he stopped in Haran. Um, it didn't say he was supposed to stop there. It just said that he did. And they, I found this kind of interesting, and I don't know if I, uh, I fully get it, but one of the things it tells us in the, in the passage before is that that Abraham's father, his name was Terah, um, his, uh, he had three sons. And 
one of his sons' name was Haran. Now, it's spelled differently than the land where they stop. Uh, they stop in Haran, too. But one of the things it says about Haran, his son, is that he died before Abraham did. I mean, excuse me, before Terah did. He died before his father did, which is is a terrible thing. Um, uh, it's not something that that we uh, any of us want to have a, uh, experience is for any of our children to pass before we do. Some of us have experienced something just like that, and it's painful. It's 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 horrible. And um, but what happened with with Tara? And I, I just thought that it was really interesting that that he was on his way to Canaan. He was actually following the, the call of the Lord. He was doing what God sent him to do, but he stopped in Haran. And I, I mean, I just thought that the, the interesting, the, 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 the fact that they had the same name, or even though it's spelled differently, was kind of curious. It was like, he, he didn't get past that. Uh, so many times in our lives, if we get stuck at the difficulty that we face, uh, regardless of how bad that experience and how that how wrong that experience could be i mean uh that's not the will of the lord so i'm not saying any of that but but the bottom line is we can't get stuck we can't get stuck we need to press on to the promise of god but um at any at any rate uh tara stopped at haran but in chapter 12 abram steps in to the inheritance of what God had in his heart. And he begins, he calls Abram and he says, go to this land that I will show you. There's something so prophetic for us for thrive in this picture. Anyway, some of you already, already probably catch it, but for, if you've been with us for very long, you know that we've, we left all that we had really just walked you know we had 25 years of history in a in a building that uh was was in the heart of our city and 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 we left we sold our building we left everything that many of us many of us have known for years and years and we came to a land that god had promised to show us but we couldn't really see what it was going to look like there's still some things that are like unfolding before us uh, that we don't know how it's going to turn out. We don't know what it's going to look like. Uh, so I just felt so connected to this picture. In fact, last night um, I was sharing just this with Angie. I was telling her a little bit about what I was going to be sharing today because she's going to be out with the kids and so she's not going to hear me speak. So I was just kind of sharing, this is what I'm going to talk about. And I told her this part, like this, I feel like that picture of Abraham being called by God to go to a land he'd never seen before. So prophetic about the church. And what she told me was, that's what I told you about six months ago. Okay. <laughs> what actually, uh, some of you might remember this, but we were in the middle of a service and I was speaking and I, was, I don't remember what I was talking about or what the message was about that day, but um, I had a personal emergency. I had to leave the room and use the restroom. <laughs> and um, so I turned the mic over to Angie and said, uh, and I said, I need you to share for a few minutes because 
All right, so I've, I was blessed with a, an unusually small bladder. It's just reality. So anyway, I, I leave. I go to, to use the restroom. I didn't hear what Angie shared, but if you, if you could remember what she said, that she told me last night, this is what I shared when you were gone, is this. This like, guys, this is what God is saying to us. We're like Abraham, who was called to go to a land that we could never, we've never seen before. We don't know what it looks like. We're leaving everything we've known, and we're stepping into something new, but we don't know what it looks like. I think that's pretty fun to think about. Just like connect our story with this, this story in scripture. Because we know the whole story about Abraham. I mean, Abraham's the father of our faith. You know, we connect with who he is and what he, what he stood for. But we, we see the story from his perspective. We don't see it from his perspective. We see it from our perspective looking back and we see all the promises fulfilled. We see everything that he did. It's like to us, we don't feel the tearing that he felt when he left. We don't feel the, the pain that he felt when he left his, his, his father's household. We don't, uh, we, don't, we don't see that. We don't experience it. We kind of look, well, yeah, everything worked out for Abram. He, you know, he became the father of our faith. He had a son. You know, all this stuff happens in his life. We see the promises fulfilled. So in that, we can kind of disconnect ourselves and seeing ourselves in his story because we see him from... Uh, from thousands of years later and we see all the promises fulfilled but he didn't know he didn't know all that was going to happen he believed he had a promise and he stepped out and he went one of the things that really stands out to me in this story um, is that Abraham did have a promise from God and I think God always does this I think it's in his nature to release promise over us so we don't always know where we're going or what it's going to look like, but, he, but we do have his promises. God speaks promises over us. And what he, uh, there's several promises that we see in, in the scripture that we just read through here over Abram. But, I mean, the first being simply, I will show you the land. I mean, that was a promise. I'm going to take you to a land that I will show you. That's a promise in itself. God says, I'm going to show you what you haven't seen before. God's in the business of doing a new thing. And we have the, the, the privilege and the honor of getting to step into his, his story, the story that God sees from beginning to end. And we, and we walk with him and he gets to show us, meaning he's going to be there with us. He walks with us. He unveils it. He's, he's wanting to kind of like walk us into the new rooms of our new houses. And he wants to walk us into the land that's, that's, uh, that's before us. And he's wanting to be there showing you, let me show you this part. I created this space for you. I created this land for you to enjoy. And I want to be the one, and he wants to be the one that kind of unveils it and shows it to us. That's a promise in and of itself. But in the passage we just read, uh, there's specifically uh, some very profound promises that are spoken uh, over Abram, and they start in verse 2. And he says this, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. It's a powerful promise actually not fulfilled 
until the coming of Jesus. I mean, do you get that? The fulfillment of this promise right here doesn't come until Jesus is on the scene. And he takes, uh, he, he establishes the new covenant through which all nations of the earth are going to be blessed. That's the fulfillment of this promise right here to Abraham. Is that, I mean, do you get that? That's, that's actually huge. That's a huge promise what he gave Abraham. And we see what happened next. God spoke this promise to Abram, and in verse 4, it tells us what's next. And it says in verse 4, so Abram went. Again, just flash back to the picture. I mean, he didn't know where he was going. He didn't know what it was going to look like. He didn't know if he was going to have enough provision where he was being taken. He didn't know any of the things that he was going to need to know. But he went. Why did he go? Because he had a promise. He had a promise from God. So Abram went as the Lord had told him. I mean, I want to ask you this morning, what, are we, what do we do? What's our response to the promise of God over our life? What do we do when God says, I will do, maybe you get a prophetic word. Maybe you, maybe you, I, you see a scripture that's highlighted. You just know it's the Lord speaking to you. What do you do with that? How we respond to the promise of God will define what begins to take place in our lives. And Abram got up and left. He's like, you want to take me somewhere? You want to take me where I've never been before, where I don't know what's going on? I don't know what to expect next? You got it. I'm in. I'm stepping in. I'm going to go after it. We get the opportunity to make the same kind of decision in our lives. Sometimes the Lord is asking us to leave behind things that are comfortable. Uh, I, I don't know, David and Rebecca, but I think maybe this message might be for you guys too. I mean, you guys are stepping out and going to a new land that you've never seen before. Um, you're, you're, you're following the, the, the Lord. We believe that. We believe you've heard from God and that you're following him. You're going away from what's been familiar to you, but... But um, you're going with promise. You're going to a new place and that place is filled with promise. But it's true for all of us. I didn't plan this message knowing about that. I really didn't. So God says go and he gives us a promise. <laughs> you know, I don't believe that Abram was just better at trusting and obeying God than we are. I believe that he was just like you and me. He had to decide what he was going to do. What am I going to do with this information? I believe it was two years ago, the beginning of 2017, I heard the Lord speak to my spirit uh, saying, journey onward. Some of you remember that maybe. Journey onward. We kind of, we kind of, I released that as a declaration over our year journey onward. And, and I'm like, that's it, God? <laughs> like onward where? That was, that was the year when things begin to shift and we begin to 
really uh, see God's plan for where we are now unfolding. It was in September of that year where I had a, the, the dream that has shifted everything, honestly. Crazy. The story that I preached the message out of was the story of Abraham. <laughs> Some of you might remember that. I, I, I do. It was, he was going to a place he hadn't seen before. He was journeying onward. The promise of God was powerful enough for Abram to simply get up and go. And I want to ask you this morning, where are you at there? Do, do you, are you ready in your heart to see what God is saying and say, you know what? I don't know if I get it. I don't know if I see the whole picture, but I'm going to step out. I'm going to go. Promise can propel you into new places. Another story that was highlighted to me as I was getting this message ready is found in, in 1 Samuel chapter 1. This, this is a really cool story. I'm going to read it all here for us so we can kind of get the context. But it says there was a certain man from Ramathame, a, a Zuphite from the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, son of Jerorahim, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zeph, an Ephraimite. Now we get the landscape, right? <laughs> he had two wives. One was called Hannah and the other Peninnah. Peninnah had children, but Hannah had none. Year after year, this man went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh, where Hophni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were priests of the Lord. Whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife Peninnah and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her, and the Lord had closed her womb. Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. This went on year after year. Everybody say year after year. Are you getting the picture? This went on year after year. When, whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. This is Hannah's picture. Like this is, this is the life she's living. I, I want children, but I don't have any. And, and, and Peninnah just is poking at her, just kind of continually like um, provoking her, irritating her, it says. Um, but this was what she was doing. She, was, she would go, and this is year after year, she would weep and she wouldn't eat. Her husband Elkanah would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? <laughs> Um, Mike, apparently not. I don't know. She wasn't satisfied with just her husband. She was. She knew there was a promise for her. Um, that's more just funny. I'm just being funny about that. Um, verse nine. Once, when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest was sitting on his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life and no razor will ever be used on his head. And as she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. 
Hannah was praying in her heart and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. And Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, how long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. Not so, my Lord, Hannah replied. I'm a woman who's deeply troubled. I've not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I've been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. Eli answered, go in peace and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. She said, may your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went her way and ate something and her face was no longer downcast. Early the next morning they arose and worshiped before the Lord and then went back to their home at Ramah. Elkanah made love to his wife Hannah and the Lord remembered her. And we see uh, the story unfold and she becomes pregnant with Samuel the prophet. Uh, I don't know what you know about Samuel the prophet, but one of the things that, that stands out to me about Samuel is it speaks over him that he uh, was a prophet that none of his words fell to the ground. Not one of the things he spoke fell to the ground. The, I mean, so I mean, he, was a, he was an amazing uh, prophet. And I just, as I was kind of meditating over this story and thinking through this, this story, one of the things I realized, I mean, it says in the story that the Lord had closed Hannah's womb. And I, I don't know, I don't know the whole reasoning behind this, and I'm not even I'm not even sure theologically I can I can express it very clearly. Like why did why would God do that, and why did it why did it happen the way that it happened? Don't I don't know if I can explain all of that, but but what one of the things that I I recognize is that God knew that Samuel was coming. He, he's like, I, I, but I, I I need a certain kind of environment to raise this prophet in. It can't just be. The, the, the environment that's happening at, at, at home. I need to be able to raise this prophet in a different environment so that he can rise to the greatness that I've called him to be. That's just, a, that's just my thought. You can take it or leave it. It doesn't, it doesn't describe all this in the scripture. But let me, that's kind of what I was, I was just seeing in this. is like God wanted something to be stirring in, in, in Hannah to change, uh, so she could shift the environment in which Samuel would be raised. And, and we see what happens, you know, year after year, it says year after year, this would happen. She would go to Shiloh and they would, they would come to worship the Lord, to bring their offerings to, at Shiloh. And, and year after year, Hannah would be ridiculed by, uh, by her rival, uh, and she would weep and she would get, she would be in anguish and troubled and she wouldn't eat year after year, it says. But then it says that once when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. It says, this is, it's telling a story about this time it was different. This time Hannah's response was different. Every year she's weeping. Every year she was fasting. Um, she wasn't fasting on purpose. The way that I see the story, the way it lays out here is, isn't that Hannah said, you know what, I'm going to fast until God gives me a son. It was basically like she lost her appetite. She was so in anguish and troubled of spirit that she just couldn't eat. But once something shifted and she made a vow. This is in verse 11. 
And she, she says, if you will look on your servant's misery and remember me and, 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 may not, and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord. And I don't know what it was about this time that was different than every other time, but the Lord heard that and said, you know what? It's time. Now is the time. And um, actually, one of the things I saw in this is that Hannah was making a promise to God. We're talking this morning about the power of promise. How many understand it works both ways? God's promises are powerful, but God is listening to our promises as well. How many know that God's heard the things that you've vowed to him? He's like, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live my life for you, God. He's like, what? What did you say? awesome. And he partners with that. He heard Hannah's promise and he's like, something's moving me to release the breakthrough right there. And then we see the whole story as, as it unfolds here. And Hannah, you know, prays that prayer. Lord, if you give me a son, I'll give him to, to, to the Lord. I mean, just imagine that. Like, this is what she's been praying for for years and years. And she says, if you give me the son, the very thing that I'm longing for, I'll actually give it away. I mean, that's just pretty amazing. She wanted it so bad she was willing to, to give it completely away, to sacrifice it, to surrender it to the Lord. That's, that's just amazing to me. I, I don't know if I can fully relate to that in my own life. Like, are there promises that I like, you know, God, all, I'll, yeah, if you give it to me, if you, if you fulfill that promise, I'll give you like 5% back. How's that? <laughs> she didn't have, uh, you know, more, she didn't have more promise that, you know, after that child, she was going to have more. She did end up having five children, but that wasn't something that the dialogue doesn't indicate that she knew that was going to happen. Like, well, if I give Samuel to the Lord, then I'll probably get more sons and daughters. Well, she did, but she didn't know that then. Again, do you understand sometimes when we, we get the promise from God, we have to step out in faith and we do what we, we, uh, we, we, are, um, what we feel led to do, but we don't know how it's all going to turn out? These people experienced that the same way we do. They don't know. They didn't know how it was going to turn out. She didn't know. She'd been barren for years, but she promised to give the only son that she had to the Lord. <laughs> That's powerful. So God moved. He opened up Hannah's womb and he gave her a son. When we respond to promise, we're being like God. God responds to promise. He, he was moved in Hannah's situation because of her promise. And we're acting like him when we do the same thing. It's faith. Responding to promise is faith because we, we hear promise and we change direction without actually having all of the facts, without actually having the full uh, um, assurance that it's going to work out. We step in faith. It's, when we respond to promise, we don't know how it's all going to turn out. And that's faith. It's being like our father. 
So you, you see the you see the story unfold with Hannah. She she prays the prayer. Eli thinks she's drunk. Um, uh, I don't know. This is this is kind of a funny part of the story to me because Eli's the priest and he totally misreads the situation. Like she's there praying, weeping before the Lord, and he thinks, "Oh, she's drunk," and so she he rebukes her. And then he hears the story. Hannah explains to him, I'm not drunk. I haven't had any wine, but I'm troubled. I've been in anguish and I was praying to the Lord. And then this is what Eli says. Eli says, go in peace. May the God of Israel grant you what you've asked of him. I don't know if you catch it, but he didn't even find out what she had been praying about. He didn't even like, give me the details. So what is it that you prayed about? She didn't tell him the details. She just said, I'm in anguish, I'm troubled, and I'm praying to the Lord. And Eli says, go in peace. May the God of Israel grant you what you've asked of him. One of the things that I see too and how Eli responds is that it's not even a sure thing by how he pronounces blessing over her. He's, he's giving her a blessing. He doesn't know what it's about, doesn't know what she's been praying about. But he says, go in peace and then use these words. I mean, I don't know, maybe it sounded different to, to Hannah. I mean, I know it sounded different to Hannah. Uh, but he said, may the, the God of Israel grant you what you've asked him for. May. <laughs> I don't know. If that, would that be good enough for you? Like if, if I was just like talking with you on your way out the door and like, you know, so I'm, I just pray that God gives you what you're asking for. Would you walk away from that feeling like you had heard from God? Or would you walk away thinking, well, I hope that happens too. I'm kind of, that's what I've been praying for. That's why I'm praying it, because I, I hope it can happen. Hannah heard a promise. She heard Eli's blessing, and she knew she'd encountered God. It wasn't, she wasn't like, I mean, get it. Eli didn't even understand what was going on. He misread the situation, thought, he, thought she was drunk, and then finds out, well, I was wrong about that, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you just a real generic blessing. Go in peace, and may God grant you what you've prayed for. But Hannah heard a promise. She knew something was up. She knew that when Eli interacted with her, that it was more than just a casual interaction. She was hearing from the Lord. She heard a promise. And we know that she heard a promise because we see how she responds. Are you with me? She didn't just take that as a casual interaction with a religious person. She took it as a promise from God. Verse 18 tells us this. Then she went her way and ate something and her face was no longer downcast. She immediately changed what was going on. Apparently she got hungry. Again, she hadn't been like, I'm going to fast on purpose. This is just like, I just, I'm not, I don't have no, I have no appetite for food because I'm in anguish. Something shifted inside of her after this encounter with Eli because she heard it as a promise. 
She knew that the Lord had heard her and that the Lord was moving on her behalf. She went her way and she ate something and her face was no longer downcast. She responded. She got up. She stopped crying. She stopped grieving and she ate some food and was no longer sad. This happened immediately. It's like she got up from that moment, shifted what she, shifted how she felt. Like, I'm not going to be sad anymore. (laughs) I know that the Lord heard me. She responded to promise. Isaiah 54, this seems so appropriate to the story of Hannah, but Isaiah 54 verses 1 through through 3 say this. Sing, barren woman, you who have never bore a child, burst into song, shout for joy, you who were never in labor, because more of the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent, stretch your tent curtains wide, do not hold back, lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes, for you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities." It's a powerful passage in Isaiah. But let me just, let's just talk about it for a minute. Who is it that's supposed to sing and burst into song and shout for joy? The barren woman. The one who's not received a promise. This is what you're longing for. A barren woman is very aware of her barrenness. It's the barren woman that's supposed to sing, burst into song and shout for joy. When? She's supposed to wait a couple weeks till she feels a little bit better about it. It's, it, it's before the breakthrough comes. We, it's, it's very easy to celebrate God's promises when we are holding them in our hands. When we've received the fulfillment of promise, it's easy to say, oh, God's so good at fulfilling his promises. It's when, it's when, we're, when we're acutely aware of our barrenness that we need to rejoice that God's about to do something and release something new. That's when we're, it's necessary because that produces something. That response, that faith response begins to shift something in our lives. There's a song that I'll probably be singing it here soon, but it's, it's a song that's been recently released and it's called Praise Before My Breakthrough. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, it's so witness to the idea there. It's like, I'm not gonna wait till afterwards to release my praise. I'm gonna praise before my breakthrough. And I wanna remind you this morning that the God who's, who is faithful to keep his promise to Abram and to Hannah is just as faithful to keep his promise to you. Second Peter 3, verse 9 says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. <laughs> we all I mean, we, we read we read this scripture and we're like, oh yes, he is. <laughs> Internally, we're thinking he's really slow. He's way slower than I would be. I mean, I'd be faster than this. I mean, how many know what I'm talking about, right? It's like we, we, we hear that, we're like, he's not slow. And we, if, we're, if we're 
normal. I mean, maybe I'm the only one that thinks this, but I think this. I'm thinking he, he may not be slow, but he sure seems like he is. I mean, I could have, you know, I could have envisioned lots of ways for God to do this earlier. I mean, I could envision all kinds of, uh, of routes to take that would have got me to where I want to be faster than I'm getting there. But he's faithful. I want to just shift the focus for a minute and begin to ask you some questions. What has God promised you? Um, sometimes this is what happens. It's, I mean, I think it's sort of, uh, it's sort of a, of, a, of a spiritual disease that we, we we lose hope, hopelessness, because we've we've believed in the promise, but it, we haven't seen it. I mean, Abram got his promise from God after his body was dead. I mean, you've read the story, right? It's like it can't even happen now. I'm I'm too old. My wife's too old. And God says, this is a perfect time. He's right on time. And I mean, we lose hope. We forget about the promise. Like we go three years. I mean, what I heard it recently from a, uh, another uh, minister that if he walks away from the things that he's believing for for three months, he'll forget it. It's like I never, it's like I never experienced that. So we got to keep ourselves in there, stay encouraged, stay believing, stay responding to God. Um, remember his promise. Maybe you received a prophetic word that you haven't seen fulfillment of. And maybe now your life has shifted. You couldn't even imagine how that promise could come to pass now. It's like, because I, you know, I got it when I was young and single and I could travel the world and now like go to the nation. Sounds like that would be a real hard thing for my family. Uh, you, know, you know, I'm just using that as an example, but, you know, we, we our lives shift, and when we, uh, we look at it now, it's like, well, maybe that wasn't God. How many have thought that about promises that you've received? Like, maybe that wasn't from God. <clears throat> I want to encourage you to remember his promise. I, I, it, it will look different than you imagined first. I mean, I, I've just been experiencing that myself <laughs> about so many things. Like, I, in fact, I was at one of our, our meetings recently, our, our team meetings, and, and Helen was all excited about, this is, this is like, this is going to be like this, and it's going to be kind of like that promise, or that, that prophetic thing that you had, or that idea that you had back then, and and I was internally, I was like, just once, God, just for me, would you please let it look like I was imagining it would? Just once, just one time. But, I, you know, I've not experienced it that way. It always looks different. Maybe you heard God's still small voice. There was, there's a promise that, that God just recently awakened in my life that I heard from him probably four or five years ago. And I, at the time, I thought, man, that is absolutely God. I, I'm going to press for that. And I began to declare it. And I began to position myself to receive it. And then things shifted. And I, I found myself about a year ago realizing that you know, that, that dream probably never going to come to pass. That's what I felt like. And God recently brought it back to me and, and, and asked me a question. 
did I really say that? And it's like, when you're in those moments, it's like you really have to answer. And you have to probably be careful how you answer. But I, I'm, I actually was sharing it with another man and, and that this is a promise. I believe the Lord had spoken to me in that season and, and I, you know, believed it then, but I kind of, I'm not even sure I believe it now. And he, and he looked right at me and he said, I need you to answer this question. Did the Lord say that or not? And I was, I found myself, literally, I was like standing in the presence of the Lord. I, I mean, I was not, I was sitting in my office actually, but I was, I was there and I realized just the weight that was on that moment. It's like, I could choose how I was going to respond. It's like, I could say, you know what? I don't think so. And I found myself just carrying the weight of that question. Like, God, what am I going to say right now? Was that you? Or did I just make it up? There are other things that, you know, we, we hear from the Lord. We're not perfect about how we hear, right? There are other things that I, I, I'm pretty sure I got wrong, you know? But I had to answer this question. And I, had, I got serious and I, and I just really recognized, you know what? In, in, my, in my spirit, I knew, yeah, that was his word. And it shifted something inside of me to, to, to realign myself to that promise. And I just want to encourage you to begin to do that too. Three things, un unfulfilled prophetic words, things that he maybe spoke to you directly, a still small voice experience, uh, scriptural promises, things that you're waiting to see God's fulfillment the fulfillment in and um, promises intended to propel us into new places, but it does require a faith response. Almost every promise that we receive from God requires a faith response. I say almost because I, I haven't experienced them all. My own life, I'd say, I'd say all of them, but there might be rare occasions where God just does what he says without without our involvement like he like releases some prophetic word and boom it just happens most of the time we have to partner our faith with it it's really easy 10 years down the road to, to say well that was a false word god spoke this he said this but it was a false word because look it didn't come to pass i think that's a really bad way to judge prophecy teach on that for a long time don't have that time today so many times God's looking for a response from us we have to partner our faith with his promise to see the fulfillment and when we don't respond it's usually founded in unbelief we're not sure if we really believe it we don't take him at his word it could it can be for a lot of different reasons, but it's rooted in unbelief. It sounds good, but we're not moved to respond. We don't want to risk. We don't want to get our hopes up. We don't want to appear foolish. I mean, it can look, it's different for every single one of us in every situation. 
But if the Lord's been highlighting to you like some promises that he's spoken over your life that you haven't seen the fulfillment of, and maybe you can identify, maybe there was, maybe there was initial faith response, but then it kind of, you run into some rough waters where, you know, you couldn't quite see through the storm to your promise. Um, I just, I want to ask you to, to just pray with me. Can you do that? We're going to pray just a quick prayer of repentance. And what I'm, what I'm aiming at here with this prayer is to, to just realign our faith. Because sometimes we've stepped away from our promise and we start to doubt and to walk in unbelief. And sometimes that's like from the very beginning, we, we, aren't, we weren't responding in faith. Sometimes it happens after a little while of pressing towards it. But regardless, I, I think God wants to, to shift us back into alignment with the promises that he has for us. So I just want you to, to just pray with me. Um, Lord, forgive me for not believing you. Forgive me for not being propelled by your promise to step into the fullness of it. Forgive my unbelief. Forgive me for letting fear dictate the narrative. Yeah. And I just want to ask you to ask the Holy Spirit, what are you asking me to do to step into that promise? What are you asking of me? If the Holy Spirit prompts you to do something, I really want you to take it seriously. To do something immediately. Today, tomorrow, whatever it is, but step into it immediately. Don't wait. It, it, can, be, it can be very small and it can be very... Um, it can even be a little bit disconnected from the fullness of the promise. But step into something. Act towards it. Step towards it. When we're praying for people's healing, we ask them to, to test it out. You know, someone who has an injury in their leg, we might ask them to walk across the room to test it out. It's a small thing, but it's an act of faith. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a response to the promise of God. So whatever that is, I want to encourage you to do that. Take, take it seriously this morning. I want you to hear what the Lord has said as a promise. Like, make the choice in your mind and in your heart. Just like Hannah did when she heard Eli pronounce the blessing over her. She didn't hear it just as a random conversation with Eli. She heard it as the promise of God. And then, I, I don't know specifically how, how this is going to play out for, for you, but the, just that, that concept that we ran into in reading through the story about Hannah, where she made her promise to God, where she said, Lord, if, if you'll do this, then I'll give you my son. Oh. Um, if, you, if you feel led to do that specifically, I don't know what that will look like for you, but just... What are, what are you going to give God? What are you gonna, what's, what's your promise to him if he fulfills his, his word to you and the thing that you're longing for? You might need to write that down and put it in your Bible. Share it with someone else to, to make it real and something you remember. But, but um, what's your promise to God? Promise, there's a power in promise. And it, all, it works both ways. Like I said, it's not just God, the things that he's promised to us. 
But what is it that we're promising him? He's listening. <laughs> he's here right now and he's listening to your heart. It's like, are you discounting this? And you're thinking, well, I, I'm not, this, I don't really want to partner with this. Well, he's hearing that too. But he's hearing you. If you're saying, God, I, if, if, if you'll do this in my life, then Lord, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to, I don't want to fill in the blank for you. I want you to do that out of your own heart, out of what the Lord's speaking. I really believe that there's going to be momentum that begins to take place as we respond to promise, as we step into it. Uh, it's not just about thinking, yep, that's a good word. That's a promise from God. It's actually about stepping into the promise. Abram, stepping out of the land, all of the familiar. Hannah, shifting her atmosphere. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna mourn any longer. I'm gonna eat something and I'm gonna stop grieving. She stepped into promise. I want to encourage you to do that this morning. Amen. All right, Jesus, we just we thank you that you're faithful. Lord, and, and the things that you've spoken of it, over us, whether it was 10, 15, 20 years ago, or whether it was just last week, the things that you've spoken, Lord, you are faithful to do those things in our lives, God. And we just, we, we, we praise you. We honor you for your faithfulness and, and just how you are steadfast in keeping your word. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Awesome.